black ball. Black 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 What is up, everybody? My name is James DeFiori, and this is Black Bald. We are in part two of our doubleheader tonight. We are going to take a look at the organization known as the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. Once again, they have decided to show the courage of their convictions by attempting to shield the public from the idea of their educational institutions being drenched in homophobia. This story was broken today by the CBC. Two schools lose fight to keep names secret following censored tours at Canadian Museum for Human Rights. One school global says it regrets decision, argued focus was on protecting the privacy of children, which is almost certainly bullshit. Um, the idea that they were trying to protect children probably went into their thinking but in their minds i would go out on a limb to say that they were probably trying to protect the children from seeing things that were gay okay there was a display inside the human rights museum of same-sex couples and they wanted that display to be censored and covered up so that their uh, the children that went to their schools didn't know that perfectly good humans not like the brethren actually exist and their lawyer is Gerald Shapur. Gerald Shapur is the former attorney for Prime Minister Stephen Harper and the former general counsel for the Conservative Party of Canada. But let's not jump to any conclusions about Gerald Shapur. Nah, let's jump to as many conclusions as we can because he seems to be there in the thick of it no matter what happens when it comes to the nastiest side of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. To, here tonight to help me unpacked the latest chapter in the homophobic homophobic adventures of Bruce Hales and his culty ways is Cheryl Hope and Richard Marsh. Guys, welcome. You guys are like my co-hosts now. <laughs> What's going on? How are you guys? Uh, I thought you were my co-host, James, actually. Okay. <laughs> we call it British Bald from now on. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm uh, thank you for bringing this to my attention today, Cheryl. I think it was you or Cheryl or Richard, both of you, whatever. Now, I am no longer surprised about anything that the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church does that lands on the side of any type of phobia or ism, whether it's uh, racism or uh, homophobia or just in general being um, just oddly insensitive towards abused children like this group just 
ticks every single box of what it's like to embody scumbaggery. And this latest chapter is is interesting in so many ways. So the CBC did break this story today, all credit to them. And the, the story is interesting in that they had the courage of their convictions to actually request that they censor this uh, any any content inside the Human Rights Museum that dealt with LGBT issues. But then they lacked the courage of their convictions to actually want the public to realize that it was them who asked to censor the LGBT content inside the Human Rights Museum. Like, holy shit. Uh, I mean, there is a a profound kind of hypocrisy at play. And I, ca I can't stress this enough. When I saw this sub-headline in the CBC article, One School Global, which is the school, uh, it's, a, it's a group of schools worldwide that the Brethren owns and operates, says it regrets the decision, I guess, to try to censor the tours. But they argued that the focus is on protecting the privacy of children. I mean... Show, can you give me uh, your take on that amazing excuse for wanting to um, shield the public from knowing that it was them that argued for the censorship? Oh, they got caught, right? Yeah. They got caught. And what's the easiest way to play it off? I mean, they used a few other excuses that I've highlighted along here. But honestly, I you can't make this shit up anymore with them. Today was this just this got me going only simply because of how they tried to cover this up and how they didn't want it out into the public sky, public side because they knew that we were gonna trash it. They knew that we're gonna rip them a new asshole tonight. And we are, we are going to. And they call it bad press and you know bad media. That was one of their excuses when they took it to court to not get it out of secrecy was that, oh, they were gonna get bad press from it. Yeah, you are, but this isn't bad press. This is causing, this is called exposing your bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Richard? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, the the, the excuses are, are, are lousy. I mean, they're, they're just straight homophobic, and they're they're all straight stupid. Uh, and the whole, it's just bizarre that they would take their students into a human rights museum of all places when they're the number one organization against human rights. I mean, it's like them going into a sort of museum of atheism or taking the kids to a you know, some kind of a strip club and requesting all the strippers be covered up, please. I mean, why go in there in the first place? It's funny um, that you say that because it, it did, it, this um, request for censorship reminded me of a case in Montreal. <sighs> Maybe it's 10 years ago now. I don't know how long ago it was, but sometime in the last decade where um, there was Orthodox, there was an Orthodox Jewish temple that was down the street from a gym. And in the mornings on the Sabbath, I guess, or whatever it's called, the Shabbat, I don't know what it's called for Jewish people, yeah. but I guess it's Saturday. Um, and the, you know, during the mornings when, when they would make their walk towards the temple, these Orthodox Jews would see scantily, what they described as scantily clad women working out in the gym. And so they filed a human rights complaint to get the windows of the gym tinted so that their virgin eyes weren't able to see what God created, i.e. Well, the what female. Was the, what was the offense that they were scantily clad or that they were working on the Sabbath? 
Um, no, they were walking to temple on the Sabbath. Um, but but no, but it was it was that they were scantily clad. So yeah. the point is though is that you know the any time a religion tries to um, trump our legislation or trump our society's just right to exist in the way that society exists by placing their religious uh, beliefs um, as a challenge to society's beliefs is always going to be problematic. It really is. There was a, uh, there was a radical rabbi once. I'm, I'm not meaning to use all the Jewish examples, but those are the ones that just popped in my head. But um, where in, in Brooklyn, New York, wanted to get the McDonald's there to stop putting bacon on a bagel. <laughs> and, yeah. and so anytime a religion tries to do that, I find it problematic. So, mm. But we're talking about an organization who, if they find out that you're gay, they will try to find a doctor to prescribe you mm -hmm. the same drugs that they use to chemically castrate pedophiles. Yeah. 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 But I'm sure it was all about protecting the privacy. <laughs> And that's the hypocrisy of all of this, right? Yeah. So in, in once we get through all of this, my question to Brucie is, okay, so when I get these emails from people in there that think they're gay, can I go ahead and tell them that it's fine? They can come out of the closet and you're going to accept them in loving opening arms. No. I guarantee you that's not going to happen. No. But that's what they're saying. That is what yeah. they're saying in this article. They're literally yeah. that they welcome they, everybody with care and compassion and kindness and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So it is. I would never, yeah. ever tell these kids or anybody who emails me about their um, wondering if they're gay. I would never tell them to go and like, okay, go tell your parents. Right? Because I know that I know what would happen to them. Yeah. Well, and, and it wasn't just, I mean, if you read the article, it wasn't just... Um, wasn't just sort of gay rights exhibits they wanted women's to cover right. up. It was women's rights. Women's rights was on there. Women's That's rights. What got me yeah. Oh, I must have skimmed yeah. past that. Really? Yeah. And guys, where was the exhibit thing, for though. women's rights? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, no. And of course, that's another thing. I mean, women are terribly oppressed in the PBCC. They're not even allowed to speak, for goodness sake, and they have to sit behind the men. Um, you know, not, not not just oppressed, but publicly humiliated. And they have to wear headscarves, which is a token of their submission to men. That's the whole point of it. Women have to wear a scarf to show they're submissive. Uh, and so hardly surprising. They wanted the women's rights things covered up. But then there's still the question, well, why did they go there in the first place? And the only possible excuse is it was, it was some kind of virtue signaling. Oh, look, we take our students to the uh, Human Rights Museum. You know, so we must be a really good modern and um, inclusive school and then of course or, they actually screw it up by censoring the whole thing or they went there with the idea in mind to to educate the students on exercising their brethren beliefs by making the complaint like they they made a they may have gone there just to make the complaint seriously like that you went know, through I, my head too that actually went through i was trying to figure out all what this is here's what it says in the article some specifically asked that content pertaining to lgbt and women's rights and abortion not be discussed and some asked oh. that a same-sex marriage display not be shown the document says yeah the so, abortion the the abortion thing i can see like yeah. uh, you know uh, listen i, I i'm pro-choice um i i think that religion is the worst argument that pro-lifers have 
I think that if you're if you're going to argue on the pro-life side, you have a, probably a better scientific argument than the pro-choice side has. I'm pro-choice, so I just want to keep stating that. Yeah, I'm just pro-choice. Yeah. Right, but 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 if I were to be pro-life, my argument would be, well, clearly, um, if a woman is pregnant, that will become a human being. So you are killing something either in its beginning or whatever. But I can see that argument. I I can I can unpack that argument. I can make that argument. But once you bring Jesus into the argument, it just falls apart, I think, mm. right? Like it's not, it doesn't become an argument of any substance anymore. But I mean, it goes right down to the women's rights. Like they keep their women so submissive in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I read, I mean, I, I get their whole, I, we know their beliefs on the LGBTQ community. We know that. But for them to specifically ask also the women's rights, like that's just, what a red flag. I do not see that if the government isn't going to take a jump on this now here in Canada, then we really don't have a government that's listening, which I don't think they are anyhow. But I mean, this really puts the exclamation mark there is like, this is literally. Yeah. The government is paying, the government is paying these schools to educate these kids. Uh, And this is the nature of the school that they're paying. They're getting public money, these schools? Yeah, oh, so yes. I found out today, I had yeah. I had somebody call me up, I had a good conversation with somebody today, who gave me numbers on how much the government funds this school. And I am sitting here telling people, you know what? This is why you all need to be activists against this. Your money is funding how these children are raised inside their school. Mm. I didn't know that. Again, that's the real reason why they were so desperate that the names of the schools weren't published because they're afraid they're going to lose their government funding. And I, I, I hope they do. They, they certainly should. Yeah, they should not have. They shouldn't get funding at all. It's interesting that we're having this podcast the day after we had the one yesterday. Um, Yesterday, in case you missed it, um, we basically had an international scoop as we broadcast the actual voice of Jesus's consigliere, Bruce Hales. And um, something happened that was interesting. Uh, they were supposed to, were they supposed to have another Zoom meeting tonight? Yeah, was, it was, there was another seminar that was supposed to happen. Yeah, so there's another seminar that was supposed to happen. And then someone sent this to us. And it is from the UBT, which is the network of businesses owned by the Plymouth Brethren. And it says, important update. At the recommendation of management, management has a capital M for some unknown reason. We have been advised that we are unable to stream the December 2022 Sydney seminar this week as planned. We are actively working on an alternative plan and will be in touch with you as soon as possible with the detailed plan and next steps. We are sorry for the inconvenience that this has caused you and thank you in advance for your support and patience with us as we work through a solution to fuck up the blackballed podcast. (laughs) I just added that part at the end, but we have it on good authority. I believe that that it was in response to us oh, broadcasting Bruce Hales's voice yeah. last night. Is that right? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, job, other, the other point is when they when the brethren capitalize something like management, um, that always is a reference to Bruce Hales himself. Which they never they kind of always try to avoid putting his name into things. But when there's a is that why they capitalize the M? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just in the same way that in the Bible, a God or or any reference to God is always capitalized. 
um, they do that with any, you know, with some word like management or something, and it, and that's the hint. That's the that's the kind of dog whistle you, know, you want. To call we could it. show the is, same respect. The big, the big Bruce. Yeah. We we could show the same respect. So if I ever write articles, in case anyone's listening um, and and reads my stuff, if I ever write any articles about Bruce Hales and I capitalize the word fuckface, now you know why. <laughs> no? I don't know. I mean, is I don't know how to do. Like, we, we have another forty five minutes for this podcast. It is it is tough sometimes to to come up with different ways to talk about the the issue because it's so self evidently awful. You know, mm. um, first of all, are these high schools or grade schools? I'm sorry, I didn't do much homework on this. I this had other was, stuff. This was this no, this was grade seven to twelve, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, grade grades, um, grades seven to twelve. So chances are, in that group of kids, there's probably a couple gay kids that are totally in the closet, there will be. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just by percentages, there probably is one or two at least, right? And and so imagine being that gay kid, okay, and walking around the, the human right and seeing a display and being like, oh, wow, the secret that I'm keeping, at least I can feel like I'm being supported by, you know, the, this museum has this up. Wow, it's a deep, dark secret. I can't. And then finding out that the entire institution that you're with, I mean, they already knew, but they, they would go to those lengths to try yeah. to get them to censor your own identity. Mm. You know, and, with and what probably, about, probably about half of those kids were female as well. And, and of course, they find that the women's rights things are wiped out. So that sends a pretty strong message to them to keep their heads down, doesn't it? This is why the government can't turn a blind eye to this one, right? You know, so many people, we just, they just kind of, you know, brush it over, turn a blind eye and blah, blah, blah. This is just another article on this. It's just another article. No, each one of these needs to be given such care to realize what is this really affecting? Who is this really affecting? Like this, what they did affected literally how many lives in there that are gay i mean what are statistics one in what i don't know what it is but the statistics are out there but they and also it, the statistic will vary depending on whether or not people are using drugs so but go on but okay so but you go into this and you think of these people already know okay like i'm i'm, I'm thinking i'm gay i don't know and i am a firm believer that you were born that way i do not believe that i totally believe you are born that way and so these kids or these teens who are walking around there and now that all this has happened they have a double dose of having to hide who they are yeah it's just not right it's it's just not right the clip the i think i sent you the clip the clip is incredible they really did a good job on the clip yeah i don't know i mean i'm gonna play it and just take the take the uh chance that i might uh get fucked over by youtube but um no you'll be fine uh I, I, it should fall under a fair use thing but um we'll see yeah. so this is the it clip um this is the clip from the cbc i'm just gonna play it in full it's a couple minutes um but this is the clip from the cbc story that broke today this private school says its staff uphold values of integrity respect and compassion but the Sterling North Stonewall School went to federal court in 2020 to prevent the public from learning about something it wanted kept secret. Sterling asked the Canadian Museum for Human Rights not to show any LGBT material while grades 7 to 12 students toured the building in 2018. By the time the case got to court, the schools were operating under the One School Global Banner. 
The Plymouth Brethren Church set up that organization. The Plymouth Brethren has historically been has tried to stay out of the public eye a great deal. The school's fight to keep their identities a secret is outlined in more than 3,000 pages of court documents. The museum was going to release the names of the schools in response to an access to information request filed by the CBC. But the schools got a federal court order preventing the museum from doing that until now. Embarrassment is not an exemption under any Access Act. Federal Justice Catherine Kane didn't agree the school would suffer a financial loss if the records were released. But she did rule the identities of the staff members who requested the tours should be redacted. Museum records show the following schools asked for censored tours so a same-sex marriage display with photos of gay couples wouldn't be shown and everything from LGBT rights to abortion wouldn't be talked about. We're upset about what has happened Um, and I think more needs to be done to address the harm that was caused. Egal Canada says the harm caused by the censored tours is still raw. The nonprofit advocates for LGBT rights. It's calling on the museum to set up an exhibit about its own failure. It's something that needs to be told. It's a story that's very significant. The museum says it's happy the judicial review upheld its decision to release the records. It says it's part of an effort to be transparent about a very dark chapter in its past, noting it no longer lets schools request censored tours, has increased diversity in staff, and is creating new LGBT content. One School Global says the incident is one the school regrets and has learned from. Austin Grabish, CBC News. Winnipeg. Oh, guys, they learned their lesson. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, what a load of freaking bullshit. You know darn well that they that was just a cover-up. You know, yeah, so in the article, this is what it actually says. The incident is one worth which the school regrets and has learned from. Our teachers and students all uphold our core values, which include compassion, kindness, and respect for all people. There's no way, there's no way that if Except I for gay a... people, black people, women, right. and children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. White, white males. Yeah, they support yeah. white male rights. White males with drinking problems? You're, <laughs> our, you're our people, right? Yeah. And here's, here. The, the schools argued the release of their names as the entities they asked, that asked the museum to censor LGBT content would likely cause them financial harm in the form of reduced grants and lower enrollment. That was their issue. <laughs> Well, well that's in the court documents? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yes. Yes, this wow. is Chappelle's argument. Well, I mean, the reduced grants is right, but reduced enrollment, they mean all the gay couples in the Brethren won't be sending their children to that school anymore. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they only have true. Brethren children anyway. I mean, that's just complete bullshit. I want to, you, you mentioned his name, so I want to I take a second and talk about this guy here. So this is Gerald Shapur. Once again, he's the former um, general counsel for the Conservative Party of Canada. He's also the former attorney for Stephen Harper, and I believe Pierre Poiliev. I think he used to also uh, work at the same law firm as as Ezra Levant. Yes. And now there was someone gave me pause recently when I was thinking about Gerald Shapur and the people that he represents and the fact that he represents this cult. And I was reminded of a friend of the show, Kareem Asad, who recently was – 
basically bullied online and harassed online for being part of the legal team that represented Jeremy McKenzie. Jeremy McKenzie is like a proud boy. Um, clearly, he's a racist guy, but he also seems to be a little bit mentally unstable. He's a former soldier. He was arrested for threatening. Uh, actually, he, he did threaten to rape uh, Pierre Polyev's wife, so that was a heinous thing. He was arrested, and then I think uh, his case has been dismissed. But people were giving her a hard time for, uh, for representing Jeremy McKenzie because as far as everyone in the public realized, Karim Assad stood for a bunch of principles that were completely antithetical to what Jeremy McKenzie stood for. And I argued on behalf of Karima on this podcast and, and online by, by saying that she was upholding a greater principle of, of only rep and, and you know, she didn't, she doesn't just represent the uh, clients that, that embody her narrative or her identity. She uh, upheld this principle that everyone deserves a defense. And so it gave me pause for a moment when I was thinking of Gerald Chapur and, and, and the, 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 the need that I seem to have to want to trash him for representing this cult. And um, it took me a, a, a little while to sort of unpack this in my own mind. And I finally came to a place where I realized that it actually isn't the same. And I'll tell you why. The cult doesn't represent a client for Gerald Shapur to represent based on the principle that everyone deserves to have a lawyer. Gerald Shapur operates his own life under the same principles as the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. He is not their lawyer because he likes um, the law and he's a big fan of the justice system. He is their lawyer because he's a Seventh-day Adventist who believes in the same bullshit yeah. that the Plymouth Brethren believe in. So I don't feel like I am being contradictory when I say that um, this man seems to be at the center of everything heinous that this cult does in this country. And also is, and this can't be overstated, that he is the connecting tissue between government contracts and this cult. You don't be, you're not the general counsel of the prime minister and the conservative party of Canada without developing a Rolodex of context of contacts that you can then parlay on behalf of the cult to secure them fat PPE contracts. I'm not saying that he brokered every deal, but Jesus fucking Christ. Like if you're like this man is the embodiment of what this cult stands for. There is video. I wish I had it. I'm sorry that I don't, but there is video of him talking about how um, the right for religious expression is needed because as soon as a government is formed, he says it becomes a dangerous entity towards the people. Just Shapur by existing. This? Shapur said yes. this. And yeah. just by existing. Um, do you remember that clip, Richard? Yeah, and then he says, and it gets too big, and then we have to kill it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. that's do right. You know what, yeah. Do you know what he referred? I'm gonna, this, this is what he said in, in this article that is linked with this clip. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. This, so this is Chapur. It is reasonable to assume that this phenomenon, so they're going on about the negative impact of having the names released would likely last years. It is, and so this is Chapur. It is reasonable to assume that this phenomenon is not limited to school shootings, but the negative media attention in general will impact enrollment. He's literally taking school shootings and relating it in the same sentence to their enrollment. Like, are you kidding me? Can you repeat that quote again? It is this, is this is Gerald Shapur, the former attorney for yeah. Prime Minister Stephen Harper and the cult, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church's attorney. Go ahead. It is reasonable to assume that this phenomenon is not limited to school shootings, but that negative media attention in general will impact enrollment, wrote Calgary lawyer Gerald D. Shapur of Miller Thompson LLP. The claim was repeated in Bettle's affidavit in front of the federal court. Yeah, what phenomenon is he that. talking I about? I can explain what he's talking about. Okay. He is trying to make the argument that the school will lose enrollment if it gets negative press. Uh, and so to, to back that argument, he's pointing out that in the USA, where they had these terrible massacres, these school shootings, it impacted school enrollment. Fewer people sent their children to school well, of course. because they were afraid for the safety. Yeah. Uh, and so this is how he backs up his argument that negative press um, is could impact enrollment to brethren schools. Now, the irony of it is, is that because he's trying to uh, prevent the thing going public, he's actually overstating yeah. how bad it was what the brethren did. So he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. Now, if his argument had worked, it never would have gone public and it wouldn't have mattered. But as he lost the argument, now his own words come back to haunt him because he's basically, um, you know, uh, someone reading it thinks, well, Chappell thinks that what the Brethren did is as bad as having a massacre in your school. So it's well, very ironic. Also, yeah. It's also anti-media. It's anti-press, too. Like, he yeah, doesn't really... Yeah. He, he believes in religious freedom to yeah. the point where he'll represent a cult because they yeah. espouse the same beliefs that he probably uh, carries. But... He, he won't defend the principle of the freedom of the press because the press might do something absolutely yeah. egregious yeah. and report the truth about the Plymouth Brethren. Yeah. Right. But there's a, there's a much more important that I've had exactly the same kind of mental um, argument in my head as to what's the distinction between a lawyer that represents the Brethren and a lawyer that, uh, is a criminal defense lawyer and is representing a murderer, but then of course everyone deserves a lawyer. And the answer is a criminal defense lawyer is fundamentally a good person and he's a necessary part of the legal process because the legal process requires you have a prosecution and a defense. Someone has to do the job. But Gerald Chappell and the other brethren lawyers are attack lawyers. They're not defense lawyers. They'll go out and attack someone like me or Cheryl or anyone who speaks against them with slap type lawsuits 
and just legal harassment. I mean, attack yeah. is the opposite of defense. I mean, in yeah. this case, they're kind of trying to do a kind of defense, but it's not really a defense. It's just a kind of a censorship job to try and keep them out of the public eye. Well, they were also um, really what they were doing in this case, I guess, was would be to try to stave off another Streisand effect, yeah. which, another right? which is yeah. which is basically, you know, if you if, if we made the, the request for censorship of uh, LGBT displays at the Canadian Human Rights Museum, yeah. and if you allow our names to, to get out there, um, then it will cause negative press. Yeah. But then they fought it, and now the story is that they fought it, so they're going to get even more. Exactly, yeah. And it's not negative press. By the way, sometimes press is just truth-telling press. This right. idea of <laughs> negative press it is it was created by – listen, I have a big problem with public relations firms and crisis management firms because I just yeah. feel like they're just entities that lie. So yeah. whoever coined the phrase negative press was probably mm -hmm. working for a company that did something shitty – and then the press reported on the shitty thing they did. That is not negative press. Yeah. That is just truth-telling press. To me, negative press would be something that is untrue. If it's yeah, exactly, negative yeah. press coverage that you're worried about, perhaps the negativity is coming from within, and you need to figure some shit out before you allow that information to get out there or change your ways. Right, Cheryl? Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? So they another part that they talked about here is that tension could affect the school's ability to attract new staff and get donations and impact enrollment numbers. So this is Lucas Bettel that was, he was reading his affidavit. The corporation recently lost a key new hire in New Jersey due to false some false media coverage unrelated to these proceedings. He says, I believe that if the records are released and the third party school names are released to the media, it is likely to impact the third party's ability to hire and retain staff. So here's what I want to say is that I have had staff reach out to me from inside One School Global that are not PBCC members. And I think this shit needs to start coming out. I think mm -hmm. that these teachers need to find a way to come out and ex-teachers and ex-principals and ex-people that are no longer in there or in there and see what they see. Because the stories that land on my lap are horrendous. They are not protecting those children. They aren't. And that's what made this so hard to read this was because I have all these inside stories of what really goes on in a lot of these schools. And then I read this and I'm like, this is, this is completely false, false information about how they're protecting their children. The children are not, they don't care about the children. They care about the money. They care about the donations. They care about being able to get who they want, where they want it. Mm. And again, yeah. it's not, they're not, they're not even saying that it's not true. They're just saying they don't want prospective staff to know ahead of time just how shitty they are, because <laughs> that will affect their decision as to whether they want to work for these people. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, my message to the, to the, to the one school global is if you don't want shitty press, stop doing shitty stuff. Right. It's like, as simple seriously. as that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and the funny thing is, is um, so Justice Kane, she found the museum and the CBC were both entitled to have their legal costs paid for by these, <laughs> by the one school, by these Sterling schools. That's expensive. Plus, of course, they've got to pay Gerald Schipper for I don't know how many thousand hours of work for writing a three like, thousand page telephone directory on the subject, which was bound to fail anyway. 
I've got a theory. I think Gerald Shapiro is actually working for us because all his recent interactions <laughs> with the brethren have been a complete disaster. I mean, look at look at my case. The brethren go running off to Gerald Shapiro, and he he very cleverly introduces them to a a private investigator who happens to be a, a police informer. That was unfortunate, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, of course, they're paying Del Chippo, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it all actually makes it a whole lot worse for them. And then we come to this next case, which was actually kind of running concurrently. And again, Gerald Chippeur, he's taken probably hundreds of thousands of dollars off these guys. And all he's actually succeeded in doing is publicly comparing their behavior to a, to a school massacre. Yeah, he, he sees, I'm beginning to warm to Mr. Gerald Chipmunk. A bit. I sure he, hope he's he really helping us, a, us out. I um, hope he doesn't send us a bill. <laughs> I, I'm going to send him a Christmas card, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just make sure it doesn't say Happy Holidays, or he'll try, You know, he'll get really upset about that. So, you know, the the idea of I I think I differ with you on one thing. I I don't think anything really. Has as far as Gerald Chapur is concerned, I don't think he feels anything has blown up in his face. Um, no. Mostly because I haven't really seen a media outlet criticize Gerald Chapur. They'll mention him as being the general counsel or the attorney for the cult. They won't call it a cult even. They'll call it the Plymouth Brethren Church. But I haven't seen any... Um, criticism about just how suspicious it is that he has these clients that he represents that mm. end up forming business relationships, you know, like, or, or, or that he uh, is um, how, how there's recordings of him out there basically preaching. What was that Matthew and the lion thing? What was that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's some, some preaching. Cause it, it actually is, it's, it, it, Funny you mentioned that because it was very similar to Bruce Hales saying the half of the half of my goods I give to the poor. Gerald Chapeau, there's a recording of him preaching a sermon in which he's saying, um, quoting the, the scripture about blessed are the meek in spirit for they shall inherit the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they seem so blind to the irony of it, don't they? Um, but they but they, they probably live in a hubris and. You know, um, and, and I understand why, where, where they don't feel like there's any consequences to any of their behavior, no. right? This no, is the first time, this is the first time that I can recall seeing an article about the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church in this country where the focus is on the fact that they lost a legal battle. I don't mm. recall ever seeing that. I recall the Press Progress articles. I recall the stuff we've done here and the stuff that you guys have done. I don't recall any mainstream article really like, like in Canada land obviously is the exception. They're not really mainstream, but whatever, but a, a mainstream outlet reporting on something that had to do with the brethren in a way that makes them look bad. This well, the, is the last first time one. that happened, the last time that happened in a big way was when they got reported on for their attack on the gay marriage act back yeah. what was that 15 yeah. years ago yeah. and that hit yeah. mainstream media and of course it's all the same thing isn't it it really is i mean they, they don't seem like a group that learns lessons no no know? 
And I, from the sounds of this article, CBC really fought to have to want to publicize this. Like they yeah. really fought to get it publicized. Kudos um, to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, we we should it, we should we should give some credit to the to the journalists if you can see if you can get them onto onto blackboard. Yeah, um, the journalists that covered this story. Oh, I don't have it there. Um, let's see. Austin Austin Grabish. Austin yeah. Grabish. I, I, yeah, I'll I'll see if I can uh, find a way to get a hold of him because uh, you know he's. Uh, I, I suspect he probably had to work pretty hard to get get this past CBC's lawyers and so on as well. Although I suppose in this case, having lost the case, it was a. It might have been easier because there was no question about it. There's no allegedly about this. This is a a, a a legal case that's been completed, isn't it? Do you know what I didn't realize until about an hour before we went on air is that the the Human Rights Museum actually did censor the exhibit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh, did. Yeah. They totally yeah. did. Yeah. And I didn't clue into that until about an hour ago, which is like crazy <laughs> to me that they would do that. <laughs> I I actually contacted. Um, Egal Canada, so that's who, the Helen Helen Kennedy that was speaking on that clip. Um, I really want to sit down and talk with her because, you know, they they really need to be exploited for their beliefs in the LGBT community. They really do, because we know that in today's society, the more and more people are finally feeling free to come out to who they really are, it needs to be allowed in there. They've got it, like just like they've you know allowed electronics back in there, and they've done certain things. That is something in there that needs to be changed, and the government needs to look at that. And women's rights, please. And well. women's yeah. rights, exactly. Both of them, right? Yeah. Like. And the women's rights thing, like just just to reiterate, is all is all tied into just the abortion part, right? That's that's basically no, what they're no, talking about. No, 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 it was specifically written out as um, content pertaining to LGBT and women's rights and abortions. Oh. So it was three separate things. Yeah. yeah, they hate feminism, don't they? They just hate the oh, word. They, they hate everything yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, the thing we're always told in the brethren multiple times, you know, quoted is um, a quote from one of the great leaders: um, "A woman, a woman in trousers is an abomination." Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to point this out in this article. It, this was a really good article. So there's this Ken Rubin. Um, he's an investigative re investigative researcher. He says, an investi Ken Rubin, an investigative researcher and access to information expert, said this case reinforces that embarrassment is not an exemption under any ac access act. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> this Ken Rubin. So they're talking about secrecy acts, right? Right. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that it's a good example that embarrassment is not an exemption. Yeah. Cheryl, you and I were talking earlier today about the non-disclosure agreements that um, teachers... Uh, mm -hmm. and staff at the at these schools have in place with the brethren i, I i've been wanting to do a podcast for yeah. about a year now on the i guess what i would call the culture of non-disclosure agreements mm -hmm. and how they seem to be at the core of almost every scandal that i can think of mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and for me it started off when um when i was in I got a contract with Post Media to investigate um, a former news anchor, very popular news anchor, and the rumors that he had mistresses, um, and that wasn't the controversy, but the controversy was that he worked for CBC. Um, you can infer by w 
what I'm saying of who it is. I, I'm just not going to say his name because I don't feel like dealing with the law firm again. But um, the uh, the 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 story that I was working on had to do with the CBC using public money to pay off women that he had had affairs with, and he didn't do anything wrong as far as assault or anything goes. They were all juniors, but whatever. Um, but that the CBC was keeping these affairs secret by paying off these women with public money and everyone in the uh in the in the stories uh you know all, all the mistresses whatever they were everyone was protected especially the cbc and this former anchor by non-disclosure agreements mm. i find non-disclosure agreements to be almost at the heart of every controversial scandal mm -hmm. that i that i've taken a look at mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if if we are if there is a bigger story here about NDAs and about how they are basically used to shield the public from stories that are in the public interest. Hmm. And would you say that, you know, that um, just in, in, in your opinion, that the teachers that have signed these non-disclosure agreements, I mean, do you think there's any way that we can convince them to, to break those agreements? Do you know what? I've been sitting and thinking about this, right? Um, I, my thing is, is that, my question is, is does a non-disclosure agreement come into effect? Is it, is it really affect, is it, does it stay in effect if there's something criminally that's happened no. or if there's something? And so I think that's the biggest thing to me. I wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not in any of their shoes, but if I was in that shoes and the shit that was going on was going on, um, I so I did I did day home for 12 years. I had kids that would came to me that went from day home to day home to day home. They always ended up at my house. That's where I took them. For me, I would fight anybody who came my way to protect and give children what they deserve. I don't care how many NDAs you slap on my lap. I don't fucking care. The children on this planet need people like us to start standing up and going up against what these people slap on our laps is fear-based. Yeah. So to me, what my advice is, is who, who are you, what are you, what are you feeding? Are you feeding the fear of these people? Or are you protecting the children? Like at some point, everybody's got to fucking wake up and realize, you know, these systems aren't broken. They're doing exactly what they're meant to do. Our job is to take them down. And the only way you can take them down is by knowing that their fear that they place on us is bullshit. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with that. I, I, I think mean, they're, then... they're farming those children like, uh, yeah. like a, a rancher farms cattle so they can exploit them in their businesses to make more money for the Hales family. That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I agree with both of you because I think that the, especially the non-disclosure side of it, it is, there needs to be like, maybe, maybe we need to start instilling a strategy of death by a thousand cuts. You know what I mean? Like instead of trying to go for the big ones, I mean, you know, we'll break every story that we can, but you know, if one after another people start, um, breaking their non-disclosure agreements to talk about things that are true right? about this organization. Mm -hmm. I think that would be its own reward. I understand why people would be hesitant because they are a scary organization when it comes to how litigious they are. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there, there, there's other ways too that you can imagine if the museum wanted to um, extend an olive branch to the Plymouth Brethren church by proposing they meet for lunch 
and then have a reporter standing by saying, well, the Plymouth Brethren Church wouldn't meet them for lunch because they don't eat with people who aren't brethren. They refuse to break bread with anybody. Who's I want people to know these little facets of this group so that they can be like, wait a second, they, they won't eat with you because you're not a brethren? Yeah, that's right. How, how do people, even those little tiny little details, how do people explain that? Like, how, how do you explain? I can't. Is there any other organization that does that besides Christian nationalist groups that refuse to eat with black people or Jewish people? Like, I, I can't even. Are we all um, are we all Jewish people to this group? And this group is like the Nazi organization that hate, I mean, I, I hate using that analogy, but you know what I mean? That's what it feels like. It feels like we're everyone's othered by the Plymouth Brethren. And and we're just supposed to be like, well, it's just their religious beliefs. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. I just I just get so fired up when it comes to when it comes to children. You know, like I know how I was taken care of as a child. And so I guess maybe that's why I get so fired up about this. And I I, I don't believe that we should be adhering to um, whatever piece of paper that they give anybody. Like I just it's hard for me to wrap my brain around why more people won't come forward and just let's just do this. If we if enough people get together and you sit in a room and you start talking and you realize that these are children you're trying to protect children. Mm -hmm. And from what I've heard from inside there, those children need to be protected, not just from sexual abuse, but from hierarchy abuse from, um, Especially little girls, right? Yeah, because like, because little girls are growing up believing that they are second class citizens, and that is their role yeah. is to be a second class citizen. I don't care about the like. You can have your Christian religion. You can have that. The thing is, is that how they treat their children through their hierarchies. That is what has to stop. Yeah, because I, I was that little girl at the bottom that get far got farmed out from place to place to place to place hidden up, hidden up. And do you know, I had someone contact me after the podcast last night that who had witnessed um, me being picked up and brought back um, one time. And it, it really triggered him because he said, like, he said, your hair was the same, your makeup was, it was just like how you were brought back. And he said, it's like, I had to do double takes. It's just, the, we have to start standing up. We have, like, I'm just so fucking passionate about this that these are kids like this is our future i just don't get why people don't think this way and i don't think it's just my trauma i firmly believe that any mother out there should be sitting and looking at the children of the world i mean it takes a fucking um village to raise everybody i don't when i did daycare, I did 12 years i never looked at those children like they weren't mine those were my children too Right. And I took care of them as if they were my children. And so yeah. every mother out there needs to start looking at these children. There's how many thousands of children that are in this group? Nine thousand in their school system. Right? Like, Nine thousand. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think about it when I go to sleep at night. I think about it when I wake up in the middle of the night. That's what I think about is how do we make these generations safe? It is not about taking this church down. It's about making this church safe for generations to grow up in. So that's to the ex-members, that's to the teachers, that's to the principals, that's to all those people. It's like, what are you willing to sacrifice 
of your pride, of your own um, fear? What are you willing to sacrifice to benefit a child that's, that, that is your future behind you? Can I ask you, Cheryl, how are we going to um, set the localities on fire like we just don't care if we keep the church around? <laughs> well, you know what? I, relig- I understand. I've had to come to terms. So I've done a lot of therapy over this. I've had to come to terms that these systems are in here, right? So people need religion, right? I get that people need religion. Um, I had to come to terms with that years ago. So I'm okay with that. But let's make these religions safe. But yes, these localities do need to be thrown up into the air. They do. Because they need to be rebuilt. They need to be stripped to the ground and they need to be rebuilt. Fire could do that. Fire could do that. Just saying. Um, I'm not trying to step on what you're saying. Cause I think exactly I, like, I don't necessarily, uh, I, I'm more of a tear it down person than a build it back better person, but that's just me. Um, you know, but there, there's also something to be said and, uh, and we're going to wrap up shortly in about five minutes or so, but there's also something to be said for, even though the CBC did a great job fighting to put this story out and, and probably were the catalyst of, of, uh, through freedom of information and through, um, uh, challenges to to the publication ban or whatever it was that they did to get the story out to, in order for us to know that it was the Plymouth Brethren Church's schools that were behind the, the censorship request. I didn't see anything in the article that talked about how they were anti-woman. I didn't see anything in the article that talked about the chemical castration that some people had to go through yeah. within the church. I didn't see anything yeah. in the article about the cozy PPE contracts that this organization gets. So there is still a reluctancy on the behalf of mainstream media, even when they do report about this group, to make their reporting shorthand. Mm-hmm. And and that, um, I mean, I'd love to talk to the the you know the the journalist that did this story, but you know, I feel like the conversation is going to go something like this: How come you didn't talk about this, that, or the other thing? And they would say something like, "Well, you know, their my editor says that they're litigious, and we just want to make sure that we spotlighted this story, and we didn't really want to." And it's just going to become one of those conversations. And so, yeah. but if it was the Catholic Church, and they uh, and and the exact same thing happened, the exact same thing, and there were these two Catholic uh, schools that said that. They, they didn't want their names out there. You can bet that an article that was probably 1,200 words or whatever, that there would be a paragraph or two that spoke briefly about the history of pedophilia in the church and racism in the church and anti-gay sentiments in the church. They would do that. But mm-hmm. the Plymouth Brethren yeah. Church is spared. And it's not because they didn't find anything. It's, it's because of another reason that I still haven't been able to find. Richard? Peep. Yeah. No, Cheryl? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's the fear of the legal system and the litigious nature and the fact they've got um, unscrupulous attack dog law like Gerald Chappelle to, um, to back them up. And I know it's going to be a long and expensive We give that fight. too much credit, though. Yeah. We're giving them way too much credit on that shit. They, they only use it because we allow them. Their bark is way worse than their bite. We give them that power. We have got to stop giving them that power and show them that we mean business that we can do this. I'm not afraid of that shit. There, it's not. It's, well, yeah, I mean, if we, I mean, let's if we're prepared tail. to speak out, why, why aren't they? I mean, we don't have a big legal team to back us up. No, I, and because there's nothing, so, yeah. there's nothing to sue me over. Let's you come at me. <laughs> let's subpoena Bruce Hales. Let's put him on that stand and let's blow this freaking locality up. 
I'm sure they've got plenty to sue me over, but I don't actually have any money to pay them. So that makes it rather simple. I don't either. <laughs> but I just, I think that what I'm fired up about today is that we are giving them way too much power with their money, with mm. their lawyers, with all this shit. It's, mm. you got, you, you got to realize that it's just a little tiny chihuahua that's going to bite at your little ankles. It's not going to hurt. You can have a bandaid, wrap it mm. up and let's get going. Well, I don't, I don't, I agree with, with basically all of that, with the exception of the one thing. Okay. There is something to be said for the power of a high profile lawyer. Um, when I was working on that story that I was talking about before, it was with post media. And the reason why I got my contract canceled was because Jamie Watt from the crisis management firm, Navigator Limited or Navigator Inc. or whatever, Navigator, uh, called the law team of the po of post media and the post media lawyers um probably got on the phone and was like oh, oh, it's jamie watt from navigator you know and they were like yes mr watt okay yeah oh he did what oh well we'll take care of that right away sir like the power of a high profile attorney to other attorneys yeah. man it's like a rookie basketball player talking to michael jordan sometimes and they just like whatever you say mike you know like yeah. there there is a behind the scenes culture in the law community i guess you would say where there is often this like uh this deference paid yeah. to lawyers that have more profile than you yeah. yeah well then you know what those lawyers need to start like do you know what i sat down on my meet and greet with my um lead investigator and i didn't i didn't give a shit what i said to him and I told him, I said, this, uh, the Pope could walk in here. And if I knew that he wasn't taking care of children, I would, I mean, I'm not going to say what I said because I'm trying to watch my F-bombs tonight. But oh, fuck it. Just say it. I, like, I would tell him to go fuck himself. Yeah, that's because right. Because I don't give a shit what stature you hold. If you are not taking care of the children, I don't care if you're the king of, queen of England. I don't give a shit where you are, what you, what crown you hold on your head. It is everybody needs to realize that children need to be taken care of first. You know what the interesting thing about what you just said is that it was an actual pope that created the policy of transferring pedophiles from one diocese to another. Right? It was it was Pope Benedict. Yeah. yeah. There. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, listen, guys, uh, I wonder what story is going to break tomorrow and we'll see you tomorrow night, maybe because. Uh, <laughs> This, this just doesn't stop. There's a gift that keeps on giving. Um, but no, but uh, this was worthwhile. And uh, and I'm glad you guys came out again. If, is, if there's anything that you want to leave us with, um, let me know now and cut me off. Every time I ask you that, there's an awkward silence. I'm going to stop asking you guys that. Um, <laughs> for real. But um, but listen, uh, thank you again. Your contributions to this and to my podcast are invaluable. And I do appreciate it. I won't tell you guys enough how much I appreciate you guys. Oh, we appreciate um, you too, James. Yeah, well, I, well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate everything that you guys do. And uh, and thank you for bringing this to my attention. And um, we'll have you on again soon, okay? Sounds good. Take care, love. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Cheryl. Thanks, Richard. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. So, so just to recap, um, they demanded censorship of an LGBT uh, display at a human rights museum. And then fought for two years to make sure no one knew it was them. <laughs> and, and, and they claimed to do it under the guise of protecting the privacy of the kids that they tried to, to censor the LGBT content for. Because that makes no sense at all. Tomorrow, 
on Black Bald, we have kind of a cool guest, actually. Um, she is... I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm going to do this the right way. She is the... Uh, she's a board member at the Anti-Corruption Action Center, and she is also the co-founder of the International Center for Ukrainian Victory, Olena Halushka is going to join us. And I'm pretty excited about this. She has a um, kind of a grim task uh, where she, every day she'll post a, um, a new casualty uh, from the Ukrainian side of the war between Russia and Ukraine. And she's super passionate about, uh, about the brave men and women who are fighting uh, against the Russian inside Ukraine. So we're going to talk to her. I'm, I'm going to see if Alex wants to come back and talk. Usually when I have someone from Ukraine, uh, I, I get Alex on board as well just to talk to him a little bit and get an update. Um, but, but that's going to be tomorrow at noon. So that is a noon start tomorrow. So um, hopefully we'll see you guys then. And we will see you next time on Black Ball. Thanks, everybody. Black Ball. Black, black, black Ball. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.